every Arizona homeowner's best friend for 30 years. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. What? What? Good morning. Here we go. I think Giddy you're going to sing, aren't you? Beautiful morning for a little ride. Your weekend wake-up call. Your Arizona Saturday morning tradition. <laughs> Whistling was good. Gary, Gary tricked me there. Good morning, y'all. What did he do? Bleep you? Thank you all <laughs> for tuning in. He bleeped old Marshall Tucker. Ah. I had to solo the free part. A little acapella there. <laughs> it's called harmony. Oh, except when I sing. Man, when I work in church, they remove all the hymnals from the pew I sit in. <laughs> uh, good morning, Mr. Romero. You're not singing this morning. No, that's are not. You? They just don't want the. <laughs> Uh, people turn around and ask you about their toilets. That's why. <laughs> uh, we're having a great morning here this morning. Hope you are as well. Jennifer's got us a big old breakfast spread out here. Y'all could come on in and join us. Uh, orders her boudin from CajunCrawfish.com. That's good boudin. That is good boudin. boudin. They have lots to choose from, all different. We've tried several brands. And uh, Gary, what's the name of that one? Hit the wrong mic. Poche Bridge. Poche uh, Bridge. Just outside of Brobridge, Louisiana. Hey, I got something for you. Cousin John John Arsenault sends me a text yesterday. He says, hey, cuz, this looks like something you like to eat. It's Lagno's pork, bacon, and ribeye smoked sausage marinated in Steen's cane syrup. Heartburn. Slap. <laughs> slap my mama. I said. I said, I want send me some of that like right now. I'll chef. do north to south rim on the Grand Canyon first, then I'll have that. Golly, <laughs> does that sound good or what? Hey, we're in our seven o'clock hour at Rosie on the House. We've got a packed show for y'all today. We're gonna cover a lot of ground. And as you know, our seven o'clock show, we just gotta welcome y'all. We wake you up soft. We kinda ask you to shake out your bed head and pour your first cup of coffee and sit down and get ready to enjoy the morning. We cover the state of Arizona at 7 o'clock, and we're going to a place you may not even know exists. In the year 2000, the community of Vail, Arizona, had a census count of 500 people. 500? In 2000. And that's 18 years ago. Uh-huh. What is it today? I don't know what it is today, but in the 2010 census, it was over 10,000. <gasps> Oh, my goodness. Located southeast of Tucson, just off Interstate 10, Vail, Arizona. We wanted to talk about Vail because it it centers on a very, it's like ground zero for history in southern Arizona. And who better to invite to join the conversation than Miss J.J. Lamb, the president and director of the Vail Preservation Society, joining us on phone from Vail. Miss J.J., good morning. Good morning. It's great to join you today. Oh, thanks for taking the time to get up and get located in a position you can join us by phone. We originally met. You reached out to me. I don't know. Was that seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago? 
It was, I believe, in 2011. 2011. Mm-hmm. Where y'all were starting, the uh, I guess the Preservation Society was kind of new at that time for the community of Vail, and y'all were trying to save the Adobe Post Office. We were, and, and we have been at it for many years. And finally, uh, we have a property owner who uh, has, we have negotiated a 50-year lease with the Vail School District who owns the uh, Vail Town site. That- uh, so if you're familiar with Vail... We um, are called the town between the tracks. That's because the original town site uh, that was established in 1880 now lies between two active sets of railroad tracks. So imagine your little downtown um, sandwiched about, oh, five, six hundred feet um, in you know, length um, between two active sets of railroad tracks. And several times a day, there's actually two trains passing in opposite directions. And big trains, big, long trains. Very long trains. <laughs> Seems like they get longer and longer. Tell us, t- tell us. Sometimes, a, once in a while, there's a short one. You know, every once in a while, there's a short one. Tell us a little bit about the Vale brothers. Okay, so um, Walter Vale came, came west and stepped out of a stagecoach onto the dusty streets of Tucson in 1876. And um, he was seeking his fortune in the West, wanted to establish a ranch and uh, be a successful businessman. And it didn't take him long to find a ranch that he wanted to purchase south of Tucson, southeast of Tucson. It was called the Empire Ranch, and it had been owned by Edward Nye Fish, uh, another local businessman and rancher. And in those days... um, Everybody was doing a little bit of everything. So you might have a ranch, you might have a store, you probably had several mining claims. People were doing all kinds of things uh, to make a living and hoping that one of those things <laughs> would change their fortunes. Well, he must have uh, come west with a little bit of cash. I mean, he wasn't buying a little homestead. The Empire Ranch was one of the largest ranches in all of Arizona. He had to have a little cabbage. Uh, he did have a little cabbage. He had uh, actually stopped off in uh, Virginia City and worked as a timekeeper um, for about a year and earned money. And he also his family um, were very astute business people, and so there were funds within the family, and the family loaned each other money at different times. It was always repaid and kept on a very businesslike um, footing, but. You know, the Empire Ranch at that point was not as large as the Empire Ranch that we think of. It was Walter and his partners that built the ranch up. Oh, okay. Eventually, it really stretched from almost to Sonoida all the way up north to the Empire Mountain at the Empire. Well, through the Empires and up into the Rincon Mountains. J.J., I think I read it started at 160 acres, and it grew to 100,000. So they yes, they just had the vision to see that the area it. was going to grow. Exactly, yes. And and Walter actually extended his ranching empire into California. He had ranches at Temecula. He owned land at um, what's now Laguna Beach, um, Los Angeles, um, the island right off of L.A. Well, he did well. (laughs) He did did extremely well for himself. And in 1879, he was joined by his um, brother, Edward Vale 
who uh, he wanted to come west to join him in his business ventures, and Edward Vail established the Vail Ranch in what's the Santa Rita Mountains. And they really funded a lot of their uh, ranching enterprises through mining claims, and one of the biggest was the Total Wreck Mine. And um, <laughs> Edward trained as an assayer, so they could keep a lot of the business aspects in the family or in their you know, within their close partnerships with partner business partners. Just real rich Arizona cattle history. A lot of interesting things in, about, and around Vale. The colossal, oh, colossal cave not too far from Karshner Caverns. What else have y'all got going down there in Vale? So, you know, in, in 1973, when our longest-serving postmistress, uh, Mary Jane Warner, retired, she said, this, Vale, uh, may be a small place to some, but to those of us who live here, it is the center of the world. And I like to think that because of the landscape and the beautiful um, Sienega Creek that flows through here, this is a place that for millennia people have liked to call home. There's a reason that there's so many transportation routes. Uh, the Mormon Battalion came through here the uh, Butterfield stage route, the National Mail route, the Jackass stage, um, the old what, uh, Southern Immigrant Road. I mean, this this was a transportation nexus, and that is why there's um, you know such a beautiful place, and and really why it has grown so um, exponentially since the year 2000. But yeah. Vale itself is located where it is because that was the last flat piece of land before the 1880 rail line would follow the old wagon road down into Sienega Creek. Those Southern Pacific um, engineers, they really didn't understand our monsoon season and the power of the rains and the floods. And they thought at this point, you know, they just wanted to get across Arizona quickly. We will just follow the um, old wagon road and, and build the line uh, there. And so, that um, from Vail siding to Dragoon Summit to the east became the most difficult, most expensive section of the main line to be built and maintained across Arizona. Um, but in those days, there was just one track, the main line, and it had to, you had to build these little siding tracks periodically so that the east-west train traffic could pass. And um, that's, that's why there's little veil siding, because that last flat piece of land was where they built a siding. And as in, just like in many places where the train was going to come through in those days, it was pretty wild and woolly. And um, people would buy land as speculating that they would be lucky enough to purchase property where the train was coming through. And that's what Walter and Edward and their partners did. And so they were able to establish um, easements. It's, with the Southern Pacific Railroad. Uh, absolutely beautiful corner of the state, one of the more uh, scenic areas I love. You're surrounded by some gorgeous mountains. You've got some gorgeous desert there on the flats. We're talking to J.J. Lamb, the president and director of the Vail Preservation Society, about the little community at West. Hardly a little community anymore. I mean, you used to drive through it, and it was like one little stop, and now you all even, you even have a grocery store now. Oh, my word, we have a grocery store, we have gas stations, we have a stoplight. You have a stoplight. Stoplight. 
So growing from about 500 people within a five-mile radius of the town site, today there's over 12,000 people. So you can imagine, you know, in 2000, you just knew everybody that you ran into. Yeah, not not a very good community for a remodeler. All the homes are too new. But in about, about 15 years, I may move down there. Listen, J.J., we need to take a short break. But when we get back, Jennifer wants to talk to you in particular about your educational focus with the young people in the community. We're here with J.J. Lamb talking about the community of Vail, Arizona, on Rosie on the House. It's the 4th of July edition of Rosie on the House. Good morning. Welcome to my house. We're visiting with uh, kind of a newfound friend. We were down at the Historic Preservation Society Conference in Oral Valley, and Jennifer grabbed a hold of J.J. Lamb, the director of the Vail Preservation Society, and says, uh, we're going to be friends. So we've got J.J. on the phone. We uh, are talking about the community of Vail, Arizona. J.J., we have someone calling in that would like to ask you a question about Vail, okay? Okay. All right. Richard calling from the Tucson area. Good morning. Yes, good morning, Rosie. Good morning to your guests. This is a, a great opportunity for the uh, city of Vail. And I uh, just wanted to thank J.J. for having the vision for preserving the legacy history and uh, traditions of this area she's done she's been a a tour de force just a a powerhouse and in getting things done and doing it right so many thanks to her my question is uh, I understand there's a documentary coming out it's in the works right now called the voices of veil and I would like to know how that came about the inception your vision and and where are you going to go with this and uh, I'll listen. I'll listen off the air. Excellent, Richard. Thanks for the call. JJ, take it away. Voices of Veil. Okay, well, the Voices of Veil is um, really a a story of the the history of Veil. It started out from the oral history um, project we were doing that was also called Voices of Veil. Veil was growing so rapidly that we wanted to capture the flavor and the stories of that small community so it wouldn't be lost. Um, One thing that had happened there in the very beginning of the um, building boom was that the developer had put in curbing and cut off some of the uh, families that had been in the area for over 100 years from their established roadway. For about two years, that family had to jump curbing to get to their uh, road to get home and back and forth to work. And so we thought, wow, this, this, is, this change is, um, you know, it's, change is difficult. And we began interviewing uh, residents. And then one day, one of our volunteers, uh, Rebecca Howie, said to her neighbor, who was a graphic designer and filmmaker, said, wow, you know, we're recording all these great stories, Dennis. We should make a movie. And they, um, we were all together one day, and they said, JJ, let's make a movie. And I said, well, why not? <laughs> And so that's actually how it started. And we've been at it for several years, and the movie itself is scheduled to show at the Fox Theater on August 12th. And it is a story of um, those founding families. It's a story of families who came here um, and established their life uh, later on, uh, you know, in this And, that, and that's the Fox Theater downtown Tucson? 
Correct. Oh, yes. we, Jennifer, August 12th. All mark right. it on the calendar. All right. JJ, All right. I want it's to be a red carpet matinee. And wow. We've just filmed lots of footage of uh, the landscape, which is, you know, it's just gorgeous. And we're also um, have, have been focused on discovering the many different cultural layers of our history. So uh, the Hohokam, the um, Tona Autumn, uh, the Chinese railroad workers, uh, Ms. there's Ms. We JJ. Have an rich history. I you know you do and you do such an amazing job sharing that. So I, before we get through this break, this one this segment goes quick. I wanted you to give it give you a chance to talk about how you are sharing this with the students and bringing them into the story and helping them to catch the vision like you have. Okay. So historic preservation um is really mo- about more than just bricks and mortar. It is um really even more than saving those special buildings, places, and sites. Its real power, I think, is in the way it connects people and connects us um, to those people who lived here before us and cared about the places that we live just like we do. And it's about um, connecting to now and the future. And so when we practice historic preservation and heritage preservation in Vail, we do our very best to engage Uh, the youth and give them opportunities to do um, real impactful work uh, that they can see makes a difference in their community. We like to think that they are um, gaining lifelong skills while they're impacting their community. Well, that was one thing that really struck Rosie and I when we came to the um, Steam Pump Ranch and and you presented these kids, and the kids would pull out their notebooks, and they were able to speak. They were able to write and record what they were doing. They took it seriously, and they really understood. When we come back, um, we're going to have to go to the bottom of the hour here in just a a minute or so. We'd like to have Lily when we come back in, uh, who's kind of one of your star pupils, and she she can kind of tell us. You can tell us how she's gotten involved. They're also uh, very involved in in a lot of the artwork in the public artwork in the area as well. Yes, and, and, you know, we have uh, high school students who are learning preservation trades while they're rehabilitating. That's awesome. That's awesome. When we get back, we'll be visiting with Miss JJ and Lily, also a globally renowned Adobe specialist from southern Arizona, right there in Vail, Arizona, who's being instrumental in the Adobe restoration, so critical to the community there. Uh, we're going to talk. We're going to be talking dirt with Dave Ubeda. Welcome back, to Rosie on the House. Where we're visiting with Miss JJ Lamb, President and Executive Director Director of Vale. Historic Preservation Society. How you doing this morning, Miss JJ? Y'all made it through the break okay? We did. We've been having a good time here. Oh, we're enjoying it. It's going by way too fast. But before, mm-hmm. I know you have brought uh, Dave Ubeda in with you, but we, we'd like to also visit with Miss Lily Collins. Would you tell us a little bit about her involvement and how you've and uh, how she's going forward? Oh, sure. So I met Lily several years ago when she was in fourth grade and was very impressed with. Um, her initiative, we have our Vail's oldest building is the 1908 Old Vail Store and Post Office. It's right on our main street and across the street from our only other existing historic building, the 1935 Shrine. And on her own, uh, Lily wanted 
decided that that building was important and she wanted to help save it. And so she organized some of her fourth grade buddies and they made um, rubber band bracelets and were selling them to raise money. And her mother contacted me and said, oh, the girls have raised you know, um, this money and they want to help save the post office. So of course I had to meet them. And Lily has been involved on and off ever since. And she just recently this year, we decided to establish a youth um, executive board uh, seat, and she is now on the Vail Preservation Society executive board. First ever, I Impressive. guess. Lily, that's amazing. You have Lily with you this morning, yes? Yes, she's right here. Hey, Lily, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Hey, what got you in- interested in this kind of project? Well, um, history is very important, and the <laughs> and the post office is a very big part of Veil, and I just couldn't let it go. So you, you've helped raise money. Are you going to get in there and get your hands all dirty, too? Do you like to help with the, with the idea of it, or you like the work of it? Um, just everything about it. Sounds, it's all interesting to me. And were you born in Vail? Um, no, I was actually born in Tucson. Okay. Well, hey, mm-hmm. it's very nice to meet you. We appreciate you getting up this morning and, and joining us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, nice to meet you, too. Filling the youth chair at the Vail Preservation Society. Congratulations, Lily. That's awesome. She's just going to need to get the next person, next kids interested, so she can pass that on someday. Absolutely. Well, let's bring let's bring Dave so, in. You know, Lily had an opportunity to meet um, with the state historic preservation officer and the architect on the post office project. Um, maybe Lily would like to talk a little bit about what that meeting was like. And- Great. Okay. Well, first of all, the meeting was very nerve-wracking, <laughs> but um, it was very interesting seeing all the work that gets put into it and seeing all of the plans behind it and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations again for, for, for filling the first-ever youth chair in the, in the committee at the Preservation Society. Congratulations, Lily. We're proud of you, darling. Anxious to Thank meet you. Thank you. Yeah, she's got some great ideas, and she just started. Um, she had this idea to put uh, jars, collection jars, pennies for the post office in local businesses, and so she um, just started doing that project, and... Uh, she went around yesterday for the first time to um, collect those first jars. Uh, you want to tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, the idea I had is called Pennies for the Post Office, and we put little collection jars in local businesses just to bring in some extra money. That's fantastic. Well, you keep us posted uh, and how much you're, you're bringing in. I think... Uh, we're ready to move and, to Mr. Dave. And yeah. that yeah. that that little bit of funding will then allow us to start working on the sticks and the bricks of the actual preservation of the building, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. And you've got Dave there as well in the same room, I understand. I'm here. Gl- globally renowned Adobe expert, the criminal. Oh no, you're not a criminal. You're a criminologist, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So I think how, call me a global expert. My my next Adobe's crack. <laughs> let's talk. Uh, let I work with mud. Let Let's talk a little bit about you and and your history with Adobe because it's it's fascinating. Oh, uh, I I grew up uh, in South Tucson with my at my grandmother's house, and my grandfather would always make Adobe's um, to sell. 
And so I started when I was about seven years old going down, out with him, and he, I would uh, put dirt in my bucket, and he would, he would take water out of his canteen and put some on the dirt that I dumped out of my bucket. And then after we had like 20 piles, I, I, he would pull off like a little cap and then taste it and mold it and tell me if it was good or not. And um, when he found the one that tasted right, um, we would come back the next day with his, his wheelbarrow and his two adobe form, and he'd make about 20 adobes. Then my job on the way to school was to flip the adobes every week so they would dry evenly, and then he'd come and sell them. And so what, what he was doing by, by adding a little moisture and testing it, he's determining the sand-clay mix that's ideal for the adobe. What, what mix, what proportions is he looking for? Well, ideally, you're looking at about 23% clay and the rest sand of different graduations. Did y'all ever put straw in your adobe? Um, you know, I, my, in my career, I worked at Tumacacri National Historical Park, and, um, and um, straw was started probably, I believe, in the 1913-14, and that was really a Mexican kind of a thing to do was to add straw as a binder, where I know that the priests at Tumacacari, the, the Jesuits and the Franciscans, used horsehair to bind. Um, so it was just basically a binder. I, don't, I didn't use straw so much as it, because it does provide an avenue for termites to eat through the, the cellulose. Okay, all right. Honeycomb your brick. Now, when y'all are, are building the adobe, Dave, What's the ideal dimension of an adobe wall in a residential home? I would think probably they're 10 by 14s. Okay. And what, what is it about that dimension that makes it right? I think it's easier to square off a building and make, a, a, make corners and make windows, and, and uh, it'll, you know, not so much cutting of the adobes. And was your was your grandfather stabilizing the adobe at that point, or was he selling unstabilized natural adobe? No, no, no. Um, we never used any kind of stabilizer. Uh, like nowadays, they use asphalt emulsion or cement, but we ours were natural. And how long can you expect that to weather in Arizona? I, I if you have an adobe wall on a vertical surface, if you have a good roof. It'll wear at the rate of one inch every 90 years. And so you've got a wall that's 10 inches thick. Exactly. So you're talking 900 years. Yes. <laughs> non Non-stabilized as long as you have a good roof. That's an argument against a parapet adobe structure, right? Oh, uh, yeah. But most, most adobes that are parapeted are usually probably rendered with some kind of uh, mortar. Okay. And you're, you, we, you and I met when I met J.J. on uh, the project of saving the Vail Post Office, which was an adobe that dates to the early 1900s? 1908. Uh-huh. Okay. And so what is the status of that project? Because when I saw it, it looked like it was approaching close to the end of that 900-year span. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> it's probably close to where the same – the, the, the one problem, Rosie, is that, you know, a, a building or where it deteriorated at a certain, a certain rate, 
And at some point in that, in that deterioration process, it'll accelerate. And where the post office is right now is in a rapidly accelerated deterioration condition. Well, if I remember right, when I first saw the building, a microburst had recently just severely damaged or removed the roof. And y'all were just trying to get the roof back where we could protect the actual adobe structure itself. I, I understand we've got that far. Right. There's, there, yeah, that, the roof is uh, the temporary roof that we have up there now is protecting protecting it so far. And then the landowner has, uh, I know y'all had some trouble wrestling with landowner and getting access to the property and parking. We now have a long-term lease. What's the vision for that building? The vision for that building is going to be the community center, visitor center, a contact station, um, a, a place for people to gather again and, and, and learn about history of the Vale area. It's um, the, the landscape part of it, you know, sits directly across from the Shrine of Santa Rita, which is a 1935 uh, other, other historic uh, property that's in Vale. Um, so, you know, we want to fix it up so it's a safe place uh, to visit, a safe place to, to go in and learn about history. And we have both those buildings now reasonably stabilized and roofed uh, to allow y'all the time to finish raising the funds. And I know JJ's, I believe, recently or has has received some grant money to kind of push the f- progress forward. How could the listeners get involved in trying to engage and help y'all? What y'all are trying to do and save there in Vale? I think I think um, JJ alluded to it. Uh, a little earlier there, my belief is that is that like the kids, like the kids, if if you show them how to make an adobe, how, how to get their hands dirty, you get this fiduciary relationship with the building, you get this buy-in, and so I think what JJ has got going on through the granting process was to have community workshops where the people uh, can come in and learn about adobe and learn about the material knowing that they're not going to be preservation specialists when they're done, but they will have an awareness of the material and, and maybe a little bit of, uh, of buy-in. And are y'all currently doing a hands-on Adobe workshops for listeners to participate in? We've, we've done a couple so far this year with the students and uh, one with, a, with, a, with a, uh, the public. And, J.J., what do y'all have uh, down in your area? Y'all have got some exciting things coming up in just the next few weeks, like uh, there's the National Day of the Cowboys celebration. Oh, yes, that's the Empire um, Ranch Foundation is doing that celebration. And actually this week, um, Bell Preservation Society is hosting uh, a week-long celebration of community and country called A Colossal Force. And that's part of our heritage preservation initiative. We, we really feel like... Um, bringing people together so that they can uh, create memories together, get to know each other in real time, that's part of strengthening community. And so we will have, um, actually tonight there's an event at Colossal Cave Mountain Park. Tomorrow, uh, there, and uh, actually this morning there's another uh, red, white, and blue costume competition at the Rincon Valley Farmers Market. And tomorrow there is a Door Slammers car show and uh, blessing of the vines and wine tasting at Shrone Vineyards. And on the, set, on the third, we are hosting a huge block party with Big Kids Zone 
and uh, fireworks. And we do this on July 3rd because, believe it or not, all the fireworks companies are booked on July 4th for the next 30 years. <laughs> and, J.J., real quick, in the last 10 seconds of the program for the, this hour, how would listeners keep track of what's going on in Vail? What site could they log on to? Okay, so they can check out our Facebook page, Vail Preservation Society. They can go to our website. And, uh, in fact, there is on our homepage a little place uh, where you can um, donate to help us save the old Vail post office. We just received this wonderful $25,000 grant from the Southwestern Foundation for Education and Historic Preservation. And we want to challenge the community and those that love history and historic preservation to help us double that $25,000 investment that the Southwestern Foundation has made in our community. That's J.J. Lamb, President and Director of the Vail Preservation Society, a community in southeast Arizona, about 25 miles southeast of Tucson, in, in an epicenter of history for the great state of Arizona. J.J., Lily, Dave, thank you so much for joining us here at Rosie on the House. We'll be right back. Let it roll. That sounds good, doesn't it? Now that ought, that ought to get your toe tapping right there. Boy, that sounds good. Nice pick, Gary. Speaking of picking. Yeah, pick what you want to do this weekend. I mean to tell you. <laughs> pick some corn. Well, corn too, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at all the events at rosieonthehouse.com. Prescott Frontier Days is kicking off. That'll be a great Great event. I know a couple of people going up there already. And that uh, that's one that, you know, because Pop Rosie's birthday was always on the 4th of July, we were always doing something with Grandpa. Uh, but that, that I, may be on my to-do list this time. Well, you missed, you missed the Prescott 4th of July rodeo to attend. To oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That would be 1976. I had just I, I, I had just gotten a new Jeep CJ5, and I spent the 200th birthday celebration of this country out on the airport grounds of Prescott Airport, Embry-Riddle Airport, because that's where they had the fireworks show, and they had a spectacular party. <laughs> You're running to Steve McQueen? 19, we did. They were filming uh, Junior, Junior Bonner. Bonner. Yeah. Well, we didn't run into him. We ran yeah. into the crew. <laughs> that was a 4th of July celebration to remember right there. Prescott, and, 1976. And the following weekend in Prescott on the 14th is the 21st Annual Indian Art Market at the Town Square. Then the following week, you've got the Payson Book Festival. and uh, But kicking off the Sweet Corn Trail. Starts at Appalachian's, I think, next uh, July seventh. Uh, you know, Appalachian starts it down south. Camp Verde's the following weekend, I believe. John Jay, how many, how many, how many of the Sweet Corn Trail stops have you made? Well, actually, I don't know what you're considering the Sweet Corn Trail, but we got some pretty good Sweet Corn for another week or so right here in the valley. Yes, and Mesa at uh, Mark Freeman's. Corn Patch and Tomachoffs over on the west side, and you know our our friends at Rousseau out on the reservation grow lots of great sweet corn. 
the uh, there's a corn fest, Sedona Verde Valley on the 19th. There's a Fort Verde Corn Festival on the 21st. Uh, Camp Verde on the 20th. So the the 19th, 20th, and 21st busy time in the Verde <laughs> Valley area if you want a lot of corn. And I think and the trail kind yeah. of crawls up the General Crook Trail, lands up on up uh, around Williams, and you and there's sometime s- around Snowflake it Corn ends. Festival, Snowflake Taylor, Snowflake and Taylor is <laughs> probably about Labor Day. Yeah. Yeah. So from now till the end, and I, I can't not remember the website, but I think Julie Murphy had it last year where you could go find, all right, where's where's the sweet corn, uh, you know, you oh. pick and grow stop of the weekend. Yeah, for, uh, for the next 12 weeks, you could eat corn till it comes out your ears. <laughs> <laughs> or lots of ears of corn, any way you want to pick it. The guys here in town... Uh, probably this weekend through about the 4th of July, and they're about done. And it was the ones in Mesa because she picked them up on her way in. Yes, yeah. And we just ate it raw in the studio. Oh, yeah. raw. Don't even, just raw. Don't even have to cook it. <laughs> no, it's, it's good stuff. That's the test of really good corn. Well, that is one adventure maybe you haven't put on your bucket list as you're wanting to get to know Arizona. But the Sweet Corn Trail. Takes you through the summer, starts you down south, runs you through Phoenix, up through Camp Verde, up on top of the rim, the General Crook Trail, up to Taylor Snowflake. It's a great way to stop and spend and see maybe corners of the rural corners of the state you haven't seen before. You can find things and events to do at RosieOnTheHouse.com in the event calendar. If you have an event and you'd like it posted there, just email it to us and we'll get it up as long as it's something to do with Arizona. Miss Jennifer, we, what have you got in staycation news? Well, I just wanted to mention, if you were in- interested in the Vail conversation we had earlier, July 28th, they're having an event at Empire Ranch. So that would be a fun way to check out the history. National Day of the Cowboy. That staycation, they just, our last winter went to Lazy Trout. This winter we'll be going to Williams. We've had them all over the state this year. Flagstaff, yep. Little America, South Rim of the Grand Canyon, Yavapai Lodge. What else have we You had? can enter Ramsey now Canyon. for Heber. Heber yep. for the, August. The winner will be drawn July 15th for a weekend in August for Heber. Um, and don't forget about August 12th. I want August 12th on the calendar. I think I invited myself, and I think J.J. mentioned it was a red carpet, which means maybe, Rosie, there are invitations have already been sent out. Maybe all the seats are already taken. But I'll find it. I would love to be at the presentation of Voices of Vale at the Fox Theater in downtown Tucson, August 12th. Noted. John J. Harper's in the house. We'll be talking about anything you'd like to talk about in, about, and around your house. Hardscaping, landscaping, planting, trimming, edging, mowing, fertilizing, watering, lighting, enjoying, eating. John J. will be here. Outdoor Hour, next hour, coming up. <laughs>